good morning, everybody. Wow, that was lame. Come on. Listen, it's not every day you can show up to church and listen to Pink Floyd. You can do better than that, okay? Good morning, everybody. Ah, oh, there we go. Good to see you guys here this morning. My name's Aaron. I'm one of the pastors here at Bridgewater, and uh, I'm super excited to be able to dive into God's Word with you today. Um, before we do, I just, I got to tell you something. First of all, man, I love worshiping with you guys. Amen? Amen. Yeah. I mean, let's just, let's give it up for a minute. Think, can you, think, think about those words that we just sang. We, we, we sang about the fact that there will be breakthrough. And here's what I know just because of the size of the room. I don't know, you know, I don't know all your stories, but just because of the size of the room, there's people in this room right now who need to know that God cares about the real brokenness and the real problem that's going on in your life and that there, there is power for breakthrough through Jesus, right? So I, I love that. I'm encouraged. Second, um, <coughs> excuse me. I got to tell you a story. So we are, this weekend is our Vision Giving 2022. Again, that's something that we, you, you know, you can get involved in today or you can do it sometime between now and the end of the year. I believe God's going to provide what's needed because he promised to build his church, okay? But I was so encouraged in something that happened in my own home. I won't say who, who it was, but there's something just incredible that happened last night. I was putting one of my kids to bed last night. And um, we, we had some people who were very generous to this you know, child of ours. He went and worked with them. They, they paid him very generously yesterday. I think they paid him $60. And he, uh, he, we were going, getting ready to go to bed. And he said, hey, Dad, um, I want to give 20 of that 60 to the vision campaign because I want to see more lives changed. I Listen. That's not about, that's not my parenting. You realize that? That's, that's not my parenting. That's not, we didn't talk about it at all. That's not me. That's God doing something and a child seeing it and saying, I want to be a part of that. Isn't that cool? Like that's, I, I, yeah, that's even better. That's way better than my parenting. Okay? That's, that's God showing up. I'm just encouraged. I'm encouraged by a spirit that would say, man, God's on the move and I just want to. I just want to be a part of it. So um, this week, as you think about that, I just want you to know um, I'm encouraged already in what God's doing. Now, we are doing a series right now called Money and Happiness. And for most of us, we would say, well, those two words don't generally tend to go together. We talk about money and I think we could have money and headaches, <laughs> or money and problems, or money and anxiety, but the idea of money and happiness doesn't seem to jive. And yet, in reality, when, when you study the, the, the Bible, okay, for, for a person who would call themselves a Christian, we use the Bible really to teach us, to train us, to educate us, and, and to, to change us, okay? That's why God's given it to us, right? So the Bible actually talks a lot about money, and it does talk about the intersection between money and happiness. And there, there is an intersection between the two where they, where they actually do come together. 
Now today, um, we're going to finish up this series by talking about really where that intersection is. But before we get there, I want to tell you a little bit about myself and how um, I actually ended up uh, pastoring. Years ago, uh, I went to the University of Nebraska, I was studying mechanical engineering, and I realized that if I wasn't careful, I was going to ruin my life. Uh, anybody ever been at that spot where you're like, I'm at an intersection if I don't make a change, things are not going to go well. I, I was at that spot. And so I decided, I talked to, my, talked to my pastor back home, I'd grown up going to church, and he said, well, why don't you go to this Bible college for a year? So I did, and I actually started studying the Bible really on my own, and I took this class that was focused on one book of the Bible, Okay? It was focused on studying one particular book of the Bible. And as I studied that book, I became enamored with it. I became enamored with what was happening in this particular book. I mean, it was incredible. Like, there was all kinds of crazy things going on in it that, that I'd never really you know, wrestled with for myself before. And then there was a group of people in that particular book of the Bible that I was like, man, I would give just about anything to be a part of a group of people like that. The book that we were studying was called the book of Acts. And in the book of Acts, that, that's kind of a weird, it's not like Acts, like I got to ask you a question, or, or sorry, or, or Acts, like you're cutting something down, okay? Yeah, I, I'm sorry. That's my sense of humor. It, it's, it's like actions, you know? It's like the actions of the first Christians, the actions of the apostles, the actions of the Holy Spirit, and the actions of the early church. As I studied the book of Acts, I became enamored with the actions of this group of people called the early church. And I was just like, man, like, what an incredible group of people to be with. And the reason was because I read some passages like this, like in Acts chapter 2. I read stuff like this. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. All right, that sounds fine. So this is in Jerusalem, okay? Um, you know, you still have, you still have kind of like a, a, an added on temple. It's Herod's temple, okay? And it was a beautiful com, you know, uh, complex. So they were meeting there in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. This sounds fairly simple, good. But then it goes on in verse 47 and it says this, praising God, this is what they're doing, they're praising God and they were enjoying the favor of all the people and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now, if, if you just do simple math and take this as word, that means at least 365 people were getting saved per year. Do you catch that? Look, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Wouldn't that be incredible? Man, I'm excited that we've seen 62 people trust Jesus. I really believe there could be a day for Bridgewater that we could see God save one person per day for a year. Could you imagine that? Wouldn't that be awesome? Now, that inspires me. I see that and I'm like, wow, like that's cool. I want to be a part of that. And then you go on and another passage that grabbed my attention was Acts chapter 4. A little bit later, it says this, with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. They're talking about the fact that he was crucified. He was buried in our place and then he didn't stay there. He was raised again and it, it proved his power over sin and death, right? 
And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. Isn't that awesome? Like every single need that came up in the community, it was met. Every single person who was hungry got fed. Every single person who lost their job and had bills that had to be paid and, and, and needed help, it got taken care of. Can I just ask you, doesn't that sound like a community you want to be a part of? It inspired me. And as I've read about the early church, there was at least one particular characteristic that stood out that contributed to why people wanted to be a part of it and why people were like, yeah, that's awesome. And what you're preaching, that makes sense. And what you're talking about and how God is changing lives and what he's doing, yeah, it makes sense. There was one characteristic that stood out about them that was so countercultural, nobody else was doing it. In fact, when, when people saw them doing this thing and living like this, they pointed their fingers and they said, those people are crazy. Those people have lost it. They don't understand. They aren't looking to the future. Those people are off their rocker. They're crazy because they were so generous. It was generosity. It was literally crazy generosity. Don't believe me? Look at what the text says. The text says, back in verse, chapter 4 and verse 34, the end of that verse, it says this. For from time to time, now remember, there were no needy persons and God's adding to their number and people, they had favor with everyone. How's this happening I think it had a lot to do with their crazy generosity. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them. That's no big deal. That happens all the time. Buy, sell, trade, right? No big deal. They brought the money from the sales. And they put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. Now, I do not think this is a prescription, per se. I don't think that reading this means you have to go and sell your house. There's anything bad about you owning a house or owning land or things like that. Or me doing the same. I own the same. I get it. There's nothing wrong with that. But there was something crazy that was happening that God was doing such a work that everything that the world said should be this way got flipped up upside down because God was on the move and the people said, I've got to be a part of that. Generosity. And here's, here's the thing. I'm going to give it away to you before I'm, I'm going to follow. We're already, we've already gone down a rabbit trail, so I'm going to keep going. I'm going to follow the red hot chili peppers and give it away, give it away, give it away now real, real quick, okay? Sorry. I, I, yeah, I apologize. It's <laughs> my head. It's weird. I'm going to, I'm going to give it away what the intersection is, okay? The intersection. What, remember, we're talking about where money and happiness collide, where they come together, okay? And it's counterintuitive, and it is countercultural, and your financial advisor would tell you I'm crazy, but I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you what the Scripture says. It says this, generosity 
is what actually brings us to the intersection of money and happiness. Traditional wisdom says keeping it, getting it, gaining it, buying it, having it, going and doing it, that's what gets you happiness. I will tell you, we've all, you know, at times when we've had more and we've, we've collected more and we've kept more, we have found that that doesn't really lead to happiness like we talked about last week. It just doesn't. On the flip side, generosity is what actually brings us to the intersection of money and happiness. Now I'm going to take you to a passage of scripture and walk you through Paul's words, Paul being a man who, who was a, a, a Pharisee and probably, I mean, everything we can see in Scripture, we don't know this for sure, but probably in his own right quite wealthy before he started following Jesus and then pretty much gave it all up to travel the world and tell people about Jesus, you know? And then he writes to a group of people who were in a very wealthy city about the intersection of money and happiness. He writes to them about generosity. He writes this in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. So if you have a Bible, open up to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Or if you want to pull it up on your phone, that's where we're going to look. And by the way, if you don't have a Bible, we have a bunch of them out there. You can have it. We just want you to be able to have God's word for yourself, okay? In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, we find this idea that generosity is really what brings us to the intersection of money and happiness. And I want to give you the background while you're turning there. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and chapter 9, Paul's writing to the church in Corinth, a church that was at the center of commerce. There was a lot of money that changed hands in that city. That doesn't mean everybody who was a part of the church was wealthy, but there was a lot of money in that area. It sounds a little bit like the United States. Not everyone is wealthy per se, but you realize that if you make more than $33,000 a year, you make more than 99% of everyone else in, on planet Earth. Do you understand that? $33,000. You're in the upper 1%. And most of us would say, that's not enough to live on. Paul writes to these people, and he talks to them about a group of people, the Macedonians in chapter 8, who were not wealthy, and yet they gave so generously, and God was doing great things through them. And then he writes to them, and he's saying, listen, I know most of your statuses, and I know that you, you have a lot more than the Macedonians, so follow in their footsteps and be generous, because they had already committed not to give to some church. They were giving to help meet needs for poor people in Jerusalem who had lost their jobs because they chose to follow Jesus. That's heavy. They were giving to put food on the table for people in need. And he says, don't forget that this is where the intersection of money and happiness is found. So let me show you what he has to say. It starts in verse 6, okay? He says this, remember, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Why does he say remember this? Well, he says it because, honestly, the, the Old Testament and the wisdom writing of the Old Testament is filled with instruction about this. The book of Proverbs is filled with instructions about how, how money, if we aren't careful, it can grip our hearts and lead us astray, and so it would be wise for us to be generous. 
And so he's saying, hey, remember, don't forget, here's the, here's the principle, here's the, the law. It's like I grew up on a farm, and if we went out into, out into the field every spring, and we, you know, we, had a, we farmed about 1,000 acres when I was growing up, and if we went out there with really only enough seed for, for 100 acres and spread it over 1,000 acres, guess what we're going to get? It's not going to go well. You go out there with a little bit of seed and expect it to go really, really, really far. You're only going to get what you planted. You get that? The same is true when it comes to us financially. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. See, here's the thing. The principle, it's quite simple. The principle is this. We reap what we Ah, you guys are smart. I want it to say we reap what we desire to reap. We reap what we want. But that's that's not what it says. It says we reap what we sow. You only get to harvest what you put in the ground. You know, what's interesting to me, I have found a growing phenomenon that um, the watching world has picked up on this. Let me, let me, let me show you a, a picture. How many of you, if you're young, you're going to know who this is, okay? How many of you know who this person is? Let's, uh, anybody know who this is? Who? I can't hear you. Mr. Beast, some of you, if you're over the age of 30, you're like, Mr. What? Okay. Mr. Beast, this, this is a YouTube character with the moniker or the name Mr. Beast. Can, we, can you be honest with me for just a minute? Would you raise your hand if you have any idea who in the world this is? Would you just raise your hand if you... I'm just curious. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, I think some of you are lying to me to be cool. <laughs> But that's, that's all right. Um, Mr. Beast is one of the most well-known YouTube personalities there is. The man has made millions and millions and millions of dollars with YouTube videos, which blows my mind, right? Okay? But what you may not know about Mr. Beast is that one of the ways that he has done this is that he has figured out that when he takes and gives money away, and when he gives money away like inordinately, he had a, he had, he had a, uh, a video where he gave a million dollars away for a guy if he could live in one house and not leave that house for a minimum of, what was it, 20 days? Oh, 100, oh, 100 days. I'm sorry. See, my kids know. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Also, it's half a million dollars. Sorry. <laughs> I'm being instructed. <laughs> My kids have told me about Mr. Beast because they've watched him be generous. He puts these videos together. And I, I mean, I'm not, I don't know what his motives are for doing it. I'm just telling you, even the world 
is starting to understand on occasion. They're picking up, they've tripped over a biblical principle that you reap what you sow. I don't know how much exactly he's given away. The most I can find is that to date, just in his videos, he's given away over $5 million. Right? I don't know how much he's made. I don't know what that looks like, you know, comparatively. But just in his videos, he's given away $5 million. And he talks about why he does it. He does it because he knows that he's been incredibly blessed and he just wants to make a difference. Isn't that interesting? The guy is not a Christian. He's not a Christian. But the principle is there that we reap what we sow. I learned a, a, an interesting uh, lesson on the farm. You know, we would, we would do harvest, and when you bring in the harvest, some of the harvest we would take in and we'd sell right away at, at, the, at the bin, at the grain bin, and we'd sell it right away, and some of it we'd keep in our own bins, and we'd dry, you know, if it wasn't, if it wasn't dry enough, we'd dry it and get it to the right, you know, uh, uh, moisture content and all of that, all kinds of fun stuff, right? And then sometimes we just ran out of space. And so we had an old grain truck, and we'd fill this grain truck with soybeans. And my, ne- my cousin and I, you know, we were young. We, we all thought it was super cool to go play in this truck and dig around in these soybeans, you know. And you can kind of chew on soybeans for a while. We did that as our kids. And, you know, but, but even though it was in a barn, it was still exposed to nature to some degree. And over time, if we couldn't move enough, you know, of the crops fast enough, those soybeans would start to go bad. More than once, I dug my hands in, got a bunch and put it in there, and it started to taste um, pretty, pretty nasty. Uh, what I didn't know then is that it was fermenting, right? <laughs> okay? I know now. <laughs> okay? Something was happening. It was going bad. That's the same thing that happens with our money and with our stuff. If we just keep accumulating it, it starts to go bad. One, one pastor that I listened to on occasion, he said this about, about giving and generosity. He said this, you better start giving while you're living because what you're holding is molding. <laughs> right? And I think he's right because we reap what we sow and the more we hang on to it, it just starts to mold. So what does the text say? Well, the text says, here's the principle, you sow what you reap. Then it gives us the instructions. If that's the principle, okay, now what? So the instructions show up, and guess what? The instructions say something to me that blow me away. The instructions say, give what you want. That's not what you're expecting, is it? The instructions actually actually say, give what you've decided in your heart. Give what you want to give. Look, look at the text. Verse seven, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. And then it it gives some modifiers. Don't do it reluctantly. Don't do it under compulsion. Don't do it because I said so. Don't do it because of, you know, do it because you want to be a cheerful giver. Do it because you want to get involved in what God is doing. Do it because you realize that you are worshiping God. And God is going to use it to change lives. That's what we do. He says the instruction is give what you want. I love what Paul says. He's saying to us, you and I need to be generous more than we realize. 
See, someone is getting your money, and it's not even yours, it's God's. Somebody's getting your money. The question is, do you know who it is? And do you know what they're doing with it? Do you know what it is producing? Why not choose to give towards things that God has burdened your heart with? I'm not even here to tell you what those things should be today. I'm just telling you, the intersection of money and happiness is being generous. Okay? That's, that's what he tells us we need to be generous more than we realize. And then he goes on in verses 8 and on. He says this in verse 8, and God is able to bless you abundantly. Look at what God is able to do, okay? He's calling us to give. You, you reap what you sow, so you should give what you want, okay? And Here's what God will do. God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. Do you catch that? Notice how many times it says, you know, God is able to bless you abundantly in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will be able to abound in every single good God didn't promise you a ble- he did not promise you a blessed wallet but he did promise you a blessed life when you obey him. This is the principle. It's I, I call it the I, it's not my term. I've read it, Randy Alcorn a uh, 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 pastor and author um, for many years now. He he calls this the treasure principle. The principle you either leverage it for your good or you miss out. I don't want you to miss out. So here's what it produces when you take the instructions, when you leverage the principle for good. I want to show you what it will produce, okay? The scriptures show us. See, it says, God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. Guess what that means? Giving money away creates a lasting impact. That's what it does. It changes things. He goes on in verse 9. Look at this. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the, to the poor... Their righteousness endures forever. Verse 10. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed. And, look at this, and he will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. This is what the text is saying. It's saying when we give away money, you're actually creating a lasting impact. You're doing something that will matter for eternity. You understand that? Years ago we did a we, we did a, um, uh, a giving campaign at the church that I pastored in Kansas City. The first one that we did, um, we called it Creating, Space for Little Fa- Creating Spaces for Little Faces. And we, we needed to build a, a kind of a new children's ministry area. And we weren't trying to raise that much money. I'd never done a giving campaign before. We stepped in. I think we were only trying to raise $10,000. People got behind it. I think we raised over $20,000. It was insane. Do you know what happened? We created a new children's ministry and we went from seeing about 10 or 15 kids to at one point seeing over 80 kids per Sunday. You want to tell me that doesn't create 
a lasting impact when you talk to 80 kids about Jesus, right? Years after that, we decided to do another campaign, and so we, we needed, I don't even remember what the numbers were on that. Those, those were uh, stressful times for me, so I blanked them out. <laughs> but we, ra- we had to raise a lot more money. We were doing some things for the adults and creating a new kids, and adding to the kids, and I don't remember what we had to raise. But we did, and we did it in one weekend. And then we did the work together as a church, got it done in three weeks, got back into the auditorium. And God, I mean, we had, we had year after year where we were seeing 10% growth and multiple people coming to Jesus. Why do I tell you this? I think one of the keys to that was that people decided to be generous. Now here at Bridgewater, we're not into building great buildings and we're, we're, we're not into that. That's not the goal but we are into meeting needs so that people can come to know Jesus, right? And what I'm telling you is that giving money away will create a lasting impact for you. And you're gonna get to see lives changed and you wanna talk about what'll put you at that intersection when you know that God gave to you and he provided for you and he took care of you and he met your needs and he used you to impact somebody else. Look at what else the text tells us. I think the text tells us that not only does giving money away create a lasting impact, but giving money away creates more joy. Last week we talked about how stuff does not produce happiness. I, I think it will. When I, when I want to buy that, that thing, when I want to have that thing, I see a neighbor getting a new four-wheeler or a tractor or whatever it might be, and it's different for you, but I go, I, I go oh, man, I'd be happy if I had. No, you don't. You get it, and then you're worried about it breaking down. Right? There is actually something, though, that does produce more joy, and it is giving away money. Look at what 2 Corinthians 9, 11 says. It says this, you will be enriched. You'll be enriched in every way. Really? Yeah. You'll be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Verse 12, this service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but it's overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Listen, these people are so thankful and they're praising and and people are going, wow, look at what's happening. Look at what, what is happening and what God is doing. Man, it's producing joy. If we go back to some of the verses before, You know, he who supplies the seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase the store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Man, I don't don't know if I can think of anything that would make us more joyful than seeing changed lives. Plain and simple. Generosity, giving away more money creates more joy. Now look at Look at verse 13. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. 
I think what he's saying is it produces more joy in you and it produces more joy in others. They're praising God. They're thanking God. They're rejoicing. They're saying, wow, look at what God has been doing. A good example of this, I watched many of you here at Bridgewater go and support a family here in our church when there were some medical things that needed to be taken care of. And, and, and I saw so many of you pouring out in generosity and being at this fundraiser that was there. And now we're seeing that young lady, we're seeing you know, the, the, the work be done to help her be healthy, right? Some of you know what I'm talking about. I'm rejoicing in that. I was rejoicing in being able to be a part of it and then watching you be a part of it. And now they're rejoicing, right? It's an incredible cycle. Giving money away produces more joy. Let me share with you one more thing that it produces. I think giving money away creates more prayer for you. More prayer for you. Would you like to have people praying for you? Would you like to know that people care and they're thinking about you and praying on your behalf even if you don't know it? Well, look at what the text says. So he's telling them, go, you need to give, you need to carry through, carry out what you said you were going to do. Don't forget the principle, you sow or you reap what you sow. And so give as you decided. And and remember, it's going to produce some things. But here's one of the things that I don't know if they anticipated that it would produce. Verse 14, and in their prayers for you, Their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace that God has given you. In other words, the people they were giving to to help so that they could eat and live, those people were going to, they were going to be praying for the ones who gave, right? Have you ever received a gift? I, I mean, seriously, has someone ever been really generous to you? I had a time where uh, I was, I don't know, I was probably 19, 20 years old. I was preaching at this country church in Newton, Iowa, and um, I had a car problem. And I was, you know, college student, uh, working full time, being an RA, and preaching at churches on the weekend, and my car had broken down, and so I had to use somebody else's car to go and be able to get to this, this church an hour and a half away and be able to preach there. And this lady walked up to me. Uh, as soon as I got there, and she goes, you know, I was praying this morning, and God told me to give this to you, and she handed it to me, and I didn't really think anything of it, and I walked away. My car needed a new water pump, okay? The, the, a, a new water pump at that time, I don't, I don't know if my mind is right, but I think it was about $300 that I needed to be able to get it, and, and then I could put it in myself, but when I got home and I opened that up, you, you know what was in there, Exactly $300. She said she was praying and God told her to give it to me. Can I just tell you, like, you better believe I prayed for that lady. And I was thankful for her. (laughs) Right? Guess what it produces when we're generous? It produces people praying for us. And Paul ends it by telling us the motivation. He says this, thanks be to God, verse 15, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. We give because he gave. Christians. Now, if you're here today and you are not a Christian, you are off the hook, okay? 100%. I apologize. I probably should have started with that and told you you could take a nap. But Christians, you're not. 
This is for us. God has been generous. We should be generous. So what do we do? We recognize that greed never changed anyone's life for the better, but generosity, on the other hand, does. And so we embrace it. And there are really just three ways. I'll give them to you really quick. If you're taking notes, you need to write these three things down. Or if you're not, please write it. you got your own Bible, write it in your Bible because I'm going to ask you to do something with it. Okay? Three things. Number one, give regularly. Number two, give proportionately. Okay? Number three, give sacrificially. I would urge you, if you're a believer, write those three words down. Give regularly means that we, we do, we give, you know, week after week, month after month, year after year, because it all comes from God in the first place. We give proportionately, which means what I am to give may be different than what you are to give. It is proportionate to what God has entrusted to you. The scripture is filled with language about that. You are not to give what I am to give, and I am not to give what you are to give. That is not how it works. It is proportionate to what God has entrusted you. You understand? Third, we give sacrificially. If you're anything like me, I don't like to give in a way that hurts. I like to give in a way that's comfortable. Okay? Maybe you're here today, and the step that you need to take is regular. Maybe you're here today, and the step that you need to take is proportionate. Maybe you're here today, and the step that you need to take is sacrificial. I would urge you to circle one of them, to pick one of them, because you know what's at stake. What's at stake is a lasting impact. What's at stake is joy. What's at stake is people praying on your behalf and giving thanks to God on your behalf. That is what is at stake. I urge you, pick one and let's obey. Father God, I thank you that I have a son who's setting an example for me and giving generously. And I thank you that you have made it such that as we give, you provide. I know it's, the, the scriptures do not tell us that, that, that as we give, you're just going to, you know, make us rich or anything like that. No, I would never want anyone to, to hear or think that, at least not in this world. But I do know that we are sowing seeds for eternity. So God, I pray that we would be a generous people. Thank you that we can find peace and joy and we can reach that intersection of money and happiness by embracing the call that you've demonstrated and the call that you have, you have lived out to be generous. I pray that we would be generous like you, God. I ask in Jesus' name, amen.